Welcome to the Sports Weekly Podcast. I'm Tyler Weeks, along with my cousin, Austin Weeks. A couple of BYU sports fans doing this for the first time. Yeah, this is weird. It I, is weird. I, You've I, never done a podcast before. I've done one for five years. Yeah, no, never done this. I've always wanted to, but, I mean, just finally getting around to do it. finally found someone who would actually do one with me, I guess, right. is the real thing. Right. What better than your first cousin? It's great. <laughs> it's true. That's also, true. Sports Weekly, that is a... Uh, placeholder right now could be the long-term name might not be we'll see yeah we'll see where it goes from here it might be a little too highbrow at times but we'll see it's fine it's fine but yeah we're here to talk about BYU sports BYU football especially BYU football is back they play the South Florida Bulls this weekend Uh, but we wanted to get into talking about the season as a whole at first and going game by game what we think of each game get to a season prediction of a final record and what we think the team will do in 2022. So let's start with this weekend, South Florida. Well, we're not going to get too in-depth right now because we have a lot to talk about after this, but what do you think of this game this weekend? Um, you know, normally I go into this, this type of game and I'm nervous. Um, I, I always I, I, I think of it as like a trap game. Yeah. That BYU with the season they're coming off of, returning so much production, just not realizing that, South Florida could still be a great opponent, especially them playing at home. Right. So I do think they get the win done, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I think they're going to have to grind this one out. Yeah, no, I've seen a lot of BYU fans predicting, like, I think I saw one on Twitter to say, like, 45 to 10, a lot of big blowout scores. And, I mean, that very well might be the case, but right now I think this is probably a one-score game. If I'm looking at it on the surface – and there's a lot of factors that go into that, but I, I just think that South Florida, I, I think a lot of people are overlooking them as a team in general, at least BYU fans are. And not to mention, like you said, they're on the we're on the road. They're the home team. Well, BYU has not boded well in Florida, but we'll talk about that, like I said, a little bit later. But I'm with you. I think they get the win. Um, I think they start 1-0. If I had to guess, I would say probably by a touchdown or so, similar to last year. I mean, last year it was it was kind of a surprise to I feel like many BYU fans how competitive South Florida stayed in that game. Yeah, I actually even I watched some highlights from that game earlier today just to kind of get a gauge of how this team played since they're returning as much production almost as BYU is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, BYU the reason why it felt like a comfortable win is because they got up so fast. They got up twenty one nothing. But everyone forgets that. I mean, it was it was thirty five to twenty seven. It was a one score game. Yeah. So like it it it's nerve wracking for me. Like that type of team at home, all of a sudden, what what happens? So I I don't know. I, I like you said. I I think it is a, a one score game. I could also see it being kind of like the Arizona game last year. Everyone kind of thought like, especially with how bad Arizona turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, but BYU had to grind in that game. BYU really had to to put it on late and show that, like, yeah, no, we're going to win this game. Yeah. So I, I think it could be similar. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, right now, BYU, I think, is a 12-point favorite-ish, depending on the sports book, uh, but we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, next the, the next week after that, Baylor Bears coming to Provo. That's one of the big – I would say big four on the schedule. Um what do we think is happening there? I, I think I'll say, to me, this is 
I mean, it's definitely a revenge game for BYU because they Absolutely. they went to Waco. You were in Waco. I was for the game. Yeah, you you got to see it, and I feel like Baylor ran all over them. And to be honest, I feel like a lot of BYU fans were quick to blame the defense, but I mean the offense. I thought they had to do a better job of keeping up, and they couldn't. And I think that shows that moving into the Big Twelve, they're going to have to get better at shootouts as well. Um, Absolutely. Of course, you, you would you would like your defense to hold everybody to under twenty four points. Shout out to Bronco, but <laughs> it's I don't think that you can expect that, especially moving into the Big Twelve every week. Oh, definitely not. I mean, the Big Twelve. I mean, how many times did you see Texas Tech and Texas go or Texas Tech and Oklahoma when Patrick Mahomes was there? And it's seventy four to seventy two. I mean, it's it's incredible what this type of conference is. I mean, it's fun football, but at the same time. You know, BYU fans, like, we're going to have to just realize that, like, we're not going to be able to just stop people all the time. I mean, I think... This is the Mountain West. Yeah, you think about about the Virginia game last year. You know, like, that game was just back and forth the entire night. And so, like, I, I do think Baylor is one of the more staunch Big 12 teams. I do think they have a little more defense, like a more defensive mind, especially with Dave Aranda there. He's got a great defense. But... I mean, Big 12 football is still Big 12 football. It's it's going to be – this one's going to be a really tough game. I honestly I, – I keep going back and forth on if they're going to win or lose this game. I think the home crowd does give them a huge advantage. Um, playing a night game like that, like that I mean, the, the Utah game was electric. Yeah. The Arizona State game was electric. And if we can bring that intensity I, – I think, I think the reason BYU wins that Arizona State game is because of the crowd. The Rock realized how much of an impact they can actually have on the field. Yeah, because I mean, we saw in, that in a Utah single drive, game, there were multiple false starts, like yeah. four or five of them. Yeah, you think about that Utah game and how they realized, that, like, oh, man, we can actually influence a game here. And then fast forward to that Arizona State game, and, yeah, three false starts on the same drive. Right. And it's and it's just I, – if the, if the Rock shows up, if the crowd is into it, I think it could be a great win for the Cougars. Um I think right now I do have the Cougars winning that. But like I said, I keep going back and forth on that. I will have a much better feel after this week. After after we're yeah. playing South Florida and and just seeing like okay, how much poise do these guys have? So, right. And it's super tough I feel like to predict games past week 1. I mean, even week 1's tough. But at least after week 1, you have a a template of like oh, this is what they looked like at least. Moving forward, we can go off that. So week two should be easier, but as of right now, it's tough to me because I think the offense, honestly, I think they improved off of last year because of the wide receivers they're adding into the fold this year. And I know they're losing Tyler Algier, which is a huge loss, but there's high expectations for Chris Brooks. I mean, Lopini Katoa, he is what he is, but he'll he'll, he'll get his touches. And then there's some, some ex- expectations for Miles Davis as well and running back as well. And then with Jaron Hall... I'm expecting a stellar season, but it all starts to me. I mean, South Florida is the first game, but to me, the, the offense really has to show up in that Baylor game. I'm leaning towards a win just because they're in Provo. Maybe that's a false hope of mine, but <laughs> I, I, I think that the, the crowd will have an influence on it. And they have a new, I mean, new quote unquote for those who can't see me, uh, quarterback with Blake Shapin. I mean, last year they played uh, Gary Bohannon. 
um, the, the Cougars did. But who's now at South Florida? Who's now at South Florida? That's, that's and was named the starter for that game, right? Which we'll talk about. So I mean, Blake Shapen, he did win the uh, the what Big Twelve championship game? Did they win their bowl game? I can't even remember. I can't remember. I'd have to look it up. I I honestly don't know, but. I feel like with a new-ish quarterback, maybe he could get rattled early in a game because, I mean, I know the Big 12, they've got some decent stadiums, but Blake Shapin, at least in the games he played in, and maybe outside of that that Big 12 championship game, there's not many, like, true road games that he's played in where he'll have a crowd like he will at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. No, absolutely. I will say... You know, you hear from all these all these college football analysts and stuff like that. They're in love with Blake Shapin. Right. They really are. But like you said, a lot of who, people were in love in Ke- with Keaton Slovis too when he that's, came to pro. That's though. true. I mean, well, you even think about some of these other quarterbacks like um, Sam Darnold. Everyone after that, after that Rose Bowl win, I mean, they were just Sam Darnold was the big man on campus on every campus he really didn't show me anything great after that. Like it doesn't matter how good you play in two games. It matters across a season. And that's where I say BYU does have the edge because of Jaron Hall in that Baylor game is Jaron one played them last year and two, he played so many more games that, that he has the experience behind it. Mm -hmm. And especially if he can make the same jump, like not to the same level as what Zach did from his sophomore to junior year, but something similar, I mean, I think we're in for a special season, and that right. could be the X factor. I think Jaron probably is the X factor in that game. Yeah, and, I mean, we'll see what our records end up being at the end of the season, but I, I think this Baylor game, and we, we can jump to, because right now we have the, the Cougars going 2-0, but this Baylor game and then the next week in Oregon, those two games really decide whether this is like an 8-4 or four win team, or 8-4, or 9-3 win team, or like a 10-2 and two win team. Um, I think you need to at least split those games if you want any shot of going uh, 10 wins plus. Absolutely. Um, so, Oregon, Autzen, you're going to be there. Yeah, I, I am going to that game as well. Um, Got to take a couple detours on our way to there, but, but yeah. we'll. <laughs> Thank you, Southwest. We'll be there, yeah. Southwest Airlines helped me out there, not a sponsor. <laughs> um, so, that Oregon game, um, oh, man. Like I'm excited to be there in Autzen, but I also know that they are tough to play at home. They yeah. they they play really well at home. I will say one thing that does help out BYU is you got a new coach and you ha- a new head coach and a new quarterback within Bonex. Mm. And I'll be honest, Bonex was an average quarterback in the SEC. He like he was so hyped as a freshman, right? Starting for Auburn, I mean, it was going to be this huge. He was thing. an Auburn fan growing yeah, up, like absolutely. the whole story. Yeah. yeah, but I I I can't say that I was super impressed with him. He was pretty average in the SEC, but does that elevate you in the Pac-12? I would say that's my only question: is if you're an average starter in the SEC, does that make you good to above average in the Pac-12? Right. I, I, I the competition level is definitely lower, but. I, I feel like mistakes are still mistakes, and I think a lot of his mistakes were mental mistakes, which aren't just going to go away when he goes to the Pac-12. Um, to me, this is might be the game that I'm the most confused about in terms of how to predict it, and it's basically because I have no idea what to expect from Oregon. Right. I mean, we saw them lose to Utah twice to end of the season last year, yeah. and before that, I thought Utah or Oregon was going to beat Utah, go to the Pac-12 championship, beat them again, and you know go to Rose Bowl and everything. 
I, but they did not look at the same team they were for the previous 10 weeks. Well, it was the team that knocked off Ohio State in the shoe. Yeah. They they just they disappeared. I, I don't have no I don't know clue what, what to expect from them. Yeah. Literally. And with with their new coach Dan Lanning, he was Georgia's defensive coordinator. He is very defensive minded, so okay, expect their defense to be better. They've got some good linebackers as well, Penn Sewell, or not Penn Sewell, Noah Sewell, his brother, yeah. or a Malum. I don't know what to expect from the offense of Oregon. This, part of that has to do with Bo Nix. They lost some transfers, I believe, mm-hmm. as well in the running backs room. So yep. the running backs are going to be young. Uh, and re- with receivers, I, I, I honestly, just offensively, have no idea what to expect from Oregon. Because when I think of Oregon, I think of electric offense. Yeah, I think of very high-scoring offense. Well, all growing up, it was – it was. I mean, I, I think of like Marcus Mariota. I think about – even in that 2008 or 2008, 2006 um, bowl game against, I guess, BYU, BYU and Oregon, I mean, Oregon was known for taking maybe six seconds between plays. Right. You know, it was so fast, so quick, and that's what they did. They just wore you down. That's not the same Oregon as what we have now. No. And so we don't, like, are they going to go back to that? They, ha- they certainly have the athletes. And a, a prestigious school like Oregon, you can get the athletes there. Right. It's just, can they be Shout coached up? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Phil Knight helping them out a lot. Um, but with, like you said, with Dan Lanning, you know, you, you look at Georgia's defense last year and how stellar they were. They won the national championship for him at the end by picking that ball off. Not that Bryce Young threw the best ball, but that defense was messing with him the entire night. Right. And, and they just showed how good they could be. But does Oregon have that in their DNA? Do they have that stout defensive DNA, or are they just no? We're going to run and gun, spread you out, and and throw over, like throw all over you. Yeah, and that's why this is the toughest game on the schedule for me to pick, and that's also why I'm just going to say this will be my first loss. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I think when you go to Autzen, no matter whether it's a really good Oregon Oregon team, like a playoff caliber team, or if it's an average Oregon team, I feel like that's a tough place to play. Probably like a lot of people feel about going to Lillard Stadium. Whether BYU is really yeah. good like they have been a couple years or previous years, like 2017, maybe not 2017, but most I years. I don't, I don't want to talk about it's, 2017 it's, right now. It's still a tough place to play. I'll say that they lose because I feel like I have to at least give the respect that it is a home game for them. And I picked the, them to beat Baylor, so I don't. I feel like I have to pick them to lose somewhere, and that's going to be the first one. Absolutely. Um, for me, I mean – I, I, I think this game. This is the type of game that could be a, a make or break for a special season for BYU. If BYU can go up to Autzen, and score that win, I mean you got two easier games in a row, and then you go play Notre Dame. I mean you're just padding your stats at that point. Right. Your confidence is riding high. Mm-hmm. Now if BYU can knock off Baylor, and if they can do it in a in a, in a demanding fashion, or a commanding fashion, then. I honestly think that they're riding a high into Oregon. Problem is, I don't think they're going to. I think they're gonna. I think it's going to be too close and too emotional of a game the week before. I think they're gassed going into Ots and going into such a tough place to play. This is a loss for me as well. Yeah, which sucks. But but I mean, it you, is what you, it is. you have a you have a tune up game right afterwards because the next week you're playing <laughs> Wyoming, and I tell you what, I cannot believe it when your head coach has to go online. And post to social media and just be like, hey, you know, in today's NCAA, <laughs> we, we have transfer portal rules and everything else. And 
Yeah, we. It's been tough, and please come play in Wyoming. You mean, you, please you come to Laramie, you don't get Wyoming. The best nil deals in Laramie. <laughs> you kidding me? Look, I don't even know a company that that would be in Laramie. I, there's some gas stations, you know. You wanna... I don't know a Laramie-based company. The only thing <laughs> right. I know that's in Laramie is because whenever my family would drive to Utah, sure. we'd stay in Laramie, and we'd stay at a Fairfield Inn, and there nice. was a Cowboys logo outside on the ground in like brick. Uh, and yeah. my dad taught me to spit on it every single time we walked into the hotel. <laughs> so that's what I think of Wyoming football. Well, I'll be honest. The the thing about I, the respect that I can give to Wy- people from Wyoming, those fans, passionate fans. Right. I mean, you see a Wyoming license plate, you're guaranteed that probably on the window, there's a cowboy logo. Yeah. I know as a kid, we never went. My dad did not want to subject us to some of the chants they have up there because it is it is a trashy place. Right. I went one time growing up, and it was after we were a little bit older, and it was just like, hey, yeah, you understand swear words, and you know not to say them, <laughs> you know, like. But like we we just never we we never cared about Wyoming, which is sad because they used to be a powerhouse in the whack. Well, uh, that's what we hear from our dads. Right. They, they, it was a rivalry. Absolutely. Like, like, it was big. With us growing up, are you kidding me? Wyoming's yeah, one of our this rivals? This is a joke. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I mean, you look, at, you look at the Mountain West, and it was just like, Wyoming, you, you're telling me, like, it was a privilege to have Wyoming in the Mountain West. Right. And now it's like, we can't force these guys out. <laughs> like, we can't get rid of these Maybe guys. Maybe they'll go to the big sky soon. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean they had their years of fame. They had, they had Josh Allen. Josh Allen, who, yeah. Turned out to be an incredible quarterback for him, especially because no one on earth thought he would go as high as he did in the draft. And then to be one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. He threw three picks against BYU, by the way. Yes, he just, did. Just throwing Thank that you, out there. Thank you, Kainakua. Love Kainakua yeah. to, yeah. to seal that game off. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not worried about this game in the slightest. No. I, I think as far as the the non bye week bye weeks go this has got to be one of them this is this if, is if, definitely if this it. if this game is even within a sniff of a close game then that should be shameful for BYU absolutely well and what's nice is so BYU plays a lot of football before they get to that bye week they got to play 10 weeks of football before they get to a bye and so having a game like this this early in the season especially after playing two P5 teams in Baylor and Oregon and have this as like hey Here's our mental reset. Say you lose Baylor and Oregon. Here's our mental reset. Be like, okay, we can show that we can still play football. Right. We're good. I mean, heaven forbid you lose your your top four quarterbacks. If you got Nick Billups at quarterbacks, <laughs> I still think you should win the game. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think we're on the same page with this one. It should be a cakewalk for the Cougars. Then that's points. Both of us will have them at three and one, and they move into Utah State, a rivalry from Ogden. Um, yeah, rivalry. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to them. It's a rivalry. I'll give it to them. They are fun fans to be rivals with. I'll say that. Absolutely. Because I think it's it's the same relationship as what Utah has seen BYU as, especially, you know, in the late 2010s where, yeah. you know, we're just so much better than you. Why are we even wasting our time doing this? And now it's fantastic with the Pac-12 collapsing, like, we can be like, oh, you want to join the Big 12 and be with us? That's <laughs> right. that's cool. Anyway, but Utah State, like you said, is it, it is fun to mess with those fans. Right. I, I, I find it funny how offended they get when BYU fans say that they're from Ogden. 
Like it is, it is hilarious to me because Ogden and Logan, not much difference. Let's let's be real. One's inside a canyon. That, yeah. that's pretty much it. I mean, it's I, I will inside, say it's, inside a different valley. It's probably a little offensive to Weber State because Weber State, being as good as they are in the FCS, it's probably a little offensive to them being in Ogden. Yeah, but I don't care. I mean, honestly, after watching Utah State this back we, weekend, Weber State might beat them. Oh, let's, my let's gosh. be completely real. Well. <laughs> You know, so we have that college pick'em, which I'll put that link in the description. So if you want to join the college pick'em, you can you can join up, see how you're doing compared to us. Um, I was looking at that, and I thought I might have had it wrong, but I thought Utah State it was around like 35, and then I went back and looked at it later, and they moved it to 38 and a half, <laughs> just because of how bad they played that UConn team. Yeah, look. Jim Mora, fall from grace. UCLA, and then he's a he's an analyst for a while, and then they're like, "Hey, come come help out our crappy situation here at UConn." UConn played them pretty well. Yeah, they which did. I don't think is a reflection on UConn. I think it's a reflection on Utah State. No, I mean, UConn got out to a fourteen nothing lead, right? And you're you were playing in Logan in the Maverick Center there or the Maverick Stadium. And you couldn't, you couldn't stem the bleeding for a little bit there. It was bad. Yeah, I I turned it off at one point because I was just like, oh man, I wanted to try to get some scouting <laughs> on Utah State, and I'm not getting anything from this. You know, and the sad part is they were trying to give away tickets. I think at their local Smiths. Yeah, Blake <laughs> Anderson's walking around with <laughs> tickets, going, "Hey, I'm the head coach. Come to our game." <laughs> Those diehard I mean, fans up in Ogden. You could get front row tickets for fifteen bucks, is what my brother was telling me. Yeah, it was like it's That's unbelievable. Nuts. Honestly, if if it wasn't so far away, I might have gone. It, it could have been worth it, especially if they would have lost. That would have been oh, great. It would have been icing on the cake. Exactly. Uh, With that being said, I'm I'm not super worried about Utah State. I will say, um, I do think they will figure it out um, leading up to this game, but. With Bonner at quarterback, you just got to get in his head. Once you get in his head, he's really he's an okay quarterback. If he's playing well, the team plays well. If he's not playing well, it, they fall apart. Yeah. And I, was it you that told me the stat? They they've won twice in Provo since 2010. They've also won twice in Provo since 1978. Oh, that, was, that was on the Give Him Hell Brigham oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to them. But the the fact that that's been that long, the games in Provo. This should be just, a, I, I think, not as bad as Wyoming, but I don't think that there should be much sweat in this game. I think the BYU should be able to handle them easily and move to 5-1. and one Absolutely. Into, or 4-1, 4-1. I, four think, and one, four and one. I think Wyoming's your, your game. You're hoping to get Jaron out of that game at halftime. I think Utah State's the game. You're hoping to get him out at, at the end of the third quarter. Right. You know what I mean? Like Get Conover some run. Yeah, absolutely. So Conover should, at this point, have three quarters. Yeah. Anyway, so that next week, this is where it gets tough. They're heading down to maybe, maybe. I we mean, don't we'll, know. that's true. Uh, there are some unknowns with this team. They head down to Notre Dame, or they head down well, head to, down to Vegas. Head down to Vegas to play Notre to Dame. Though, the frustra- that is the frustrating part is that we should be having a home game of this, but BYU gave that up. I still have no idea why they would do that. Um, I don't care if Notre Dame had to pay money to get out of the game they should have made him do it but honestly 
this should be lighting a fire on these players under these players butts as far as like these guys didn't want to play you these guys were scared to play you and so they compromised and said let's go to vegas but hey we need to have 75 percent of these tickets right i would love BYU to come out and just and just show them how good they can be that being said i think there is a psychological factor with notre dame I, yeah. it, it, I was I, I, I talk about this game a lot in 2012. We were both there. We were both there, and that was supposed to be one of the best Notre Dame teams. Manti Teo's was his senior year, mm-hmm. and you know at this point he hadn't his girlfriend hadn't died, but or had she? No, she had died. Oh, she had died. She had died. By the way, that that documentary was great. But I haven't I seen know. it yet. I it's do want really to watch good. it. Yeah. But um but Teo's playing really well. And he had a pick. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> but you think about that game, BYU should have won. Oh yeah. If, oh yeah. If Riley Nelson hits Cody Hoffman. You want to call us biased? Go ahead. Yeah. But if, if if Riley Nelson can hit Cody Hoffman on that on that pitiful throw. No one's around him. He's walking into the end zone. BYU potentially wins that game 21-17. In fact, I believe they win 21-17 because I believe in Broncos' defense in 2012. Yeah, That defense was possibly Super the good. best defense I've ever seen out of BYU. And that's saying something, especially under Bronco. Yeah, absolutely. But this is, that's the defense that with Boise State, Boise State didn't score a single point. They ended up BYU lose that game seven to six, but they didn't give up a single point in that game, and they had a first and goal on the one yard line. Yeah. Yep. 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 I don't know what it is about Notre Dame and BYU. It, it maybe it is a mental thing. Yeah. And I don't. I don't get it. Maybe it's it's maybe it's the outside noise that gets put onto the game. I mean, the both being the religious schools, and it's like Notre Dame has the the high and mighty, like we're better than everybody attitude. And maybe that gets portrayed on the field as well. And, and BYU buys into it. I don't know. But out of the, the games that I've watched at BYU against Notre Dame, it's always been competitive, but Notre Dame just has the upper edge every single time. And I feel like that could be the case this year. But honestly, Notre Dame to me, every single year, the most overhyped team to in the preseason Every single season. Right now, they're number five. They, they might be number five. They might be higher at that point in the season. It'll be game six. But it's a brand-new head coach. They're going to be a brand-new quarterback who has limited game experience. Um, I, I don't know what to expect from Notre Dame, and I feel like a lot of people don't. It's just I think the prestige and the name of Notre Dame is what gets them these rankings all the time. Uh, I mean, look, mm-hmm. look at that, that 2012 team, like you said, that was not the best team in the country, even though they were undefeated. I mean, they were rightfully right. earned the chance to get to the national championship. But anybody with a brain knew that Alabama was just going to steamroll them. Absolutely. What, what, then you look at the record in 2012. There were so many like one-score games that, that Notre Dame won. And mm-hmm. so knowing that going into the national championship, I mean, they won, what, 48-14? to 14? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. It was very predictable. So going into this game, and going into the season in particular, I don't know what to expect from Notre Dame. They're going to be good, but how good? Are they national championship good? Or are they 
a 10 win Notre Dame good, which to, for, for Notre Dame, 10 wins, that's disappointing season for, for most Irish fans. But I think that as far as the outcome of the game goes, I have to put this as a loss as of right now. Not seeing either team play sure. on paper, I just I feel like I have to do it. And even though BYU owns Vegas and <laughs> it, it should be a home game for BYU, I have to get the losses from somewhere. And they're not going to come from teams like Wyoming and Utah State. Notre Dame makes the most sense. And I'm happy that at least this season – you have a situation where normally in, in Independence, we've seen BYU go Power 5, Power 5, Power 5, Power 5 in the first four games. Right. At least this season, you get South Florida, then you play Power 5 in Baylor, then you get two G5s again, and then you play Power 5 equivalent, not technically Power 5, you know. but Power 5 adjacent. Right. <laughs> so, at least this schedule is nicer to BYU in that sense. So... Maybe we get a win, but as of right now, I have to put that as a loss. That'll be the second loss in the season. Might be the only loss going forward for the rest of the schedule. We'll see, but I think that they go to four and two at that point. Yeah, um, I agree. I think this is going to be a loss. I, I do think, like I said earlier, I think it's something psychological. I think it's something that that BYU just has a hard time, even though they beat them in Provo um, in the early two thousands. There's something about playing Notre Dame in a place that's not Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Right. That's I don't know if it's the hype that gets to them or what it is, but I do think this is a loss. That being said, um, I could change my mind. In, I don't think it's a at, blowout, at, though. At week three, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough game to call. But like you said, I will probably be taking a loss on this one. So that puts us at four and two. Um, next game is Arkansas. In Provo. In Provo. Um, Arkansas, to me, is a team that you don't know who's going to show up. Um, I think they are on the upswing. That being said, that Georgia-Arkansas game last year was so hyped up, and I saw so many easy turnovers right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Georgia dominate that game. Granted, Georgia was on another level. Um, you know, heading right into the national championship. But Arkansas is a team, I think they have the talent. It's just, can they put it together? Yeah. Um, I would be scared of this game a lot more if this was in Arkansas. For sure. That being said, being in Provo and me not knowing a ton about Arkansas, other than I do feel like they they were starting to trend upwards. I, I think BYU ends up with a win in this one just because they're in Provo. I think the same thing. And I think that it's tough for a Southeast team to travel to the mountains. And, I mean, ask Miami about the elevation. Uh, <laughs> well, right. I, I, I think that even though it's a meme, it, it still affects them a little bit. And I, it's, again, not a tough pace to play. I know their quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, he had a really good season last year. Mm-hmm. He's coming on to his own. But – Again, like you said, what team is going to show up? And is a above-average SEC team, how good is that outside of the SEC? Because right. they were 8-4 and four last year. I think they were 4-4 four and four in SEC play. Well, the SEC is so weird because you have these monster powerhouses that make it seem like the SEC is like, oh, wow, this is such a powerful conference. But then you look at the rest of the teams within the SEC and you're like, 
you're actually really not that great. Right. Florida has been down. Um, Mississippi State is down. LSU is down. Like, you have Alabama and Georgia, who, granted, are probably... Very top-heavy. Yeah, probably who top are probably, yeah, probably going to the playoff again this year. But the other teams in the SEC, other than Texas A&M, I'm really not super impressed with anyone else. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I think this game's a win. I think I think any team is it's, it's tough to come play in Provo, um, and I think I think that that's going to be the case for Arkansas. So we're moving to five and two on the season. And think about the hype though into that game because I know Arkansas will have a tough stretch. I think before they come to Provo, mm-hmm. but say they win a few of those games. I mean, they're probably going to lose to Alabama. I know they played them before BYU. Yeah. But say they're like a one loss team and their only loss is to Alabama. And then say BYU manages to win, uh, go f- one loss to like Oregon and Notre Dame before that, or they beat Notre Dame the week before. The right. hype going into that game is going to be pretty big. Well, you know it'll probably be a night game on ESPN. I mean, you're looking at what would be a, a really exciting game. The problem is it's so far down the road, and so many things, so many dominoes have to fall for that to happen. Right. So. Right. All right. Moving on. Where our power fives are almost done, um, but the following week we are going to be traveling to Lynchburg, Virginia, to take on Liberty and Charlie Brewer. Beautiful Lynchburg, Virginia. <laughs> yep, yep. It was named that Charlie Brewer, Brewer was a starter, I believe, last week. Uh, so the fact that he's a starter makes me feel good as a BYU fan. Any any BYU fan that watched the Utah game last year. Although he did win the starting job over Cam Rising. Don't let any Utah fan tell you otherwise. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that makes me feel good. I, Liberty, I think they're a solid team for what they are. Um, but losing Malik Willis is big. And going from Charlie Brewer or Malik Willis to Charlie Brewer, I feel like that's a bit of a drop-off. I'm going to be honest. I don't know much about the team outside of that. But, right. again, this is a, t- a team that BYU should beat. It's a game they should win. I know it's on the road, and it's another one of those Eastern time zone games, but I, I think this, just the caliber of the two different teams, I think BYU should handle this pretty easily. I agree. Um, I, I'm, Charlie Brewer doesn't scare me. Um, you know, He was a 10,000-yard guy at Baylor. I'll say maybe if he was going to be in Baylor but, six weeks earlier. Right, <laughs> but, like, but he was also, you know, he's in a, in a Big 12 conference that was all about all about running or not running gun it was all about the air raid right you know it was throw the ball uh who was the coach who's the coach there matt rule at baylor yeah i mean he credited charlie brewer to the reason that he's in the nfl i look at the panthers and i i start to wonder like would charlie brewer be helping you out here because i don't think anything's going to help you out in the nfl <laughs> um charlie brewer's basically doing the same thing he did at utah utah had just gotten past tyler huntley and you got to fill in. Okay, cool. Liberty's just getting past Malik Willis. You got to fill in. Can you actually fill in? I honestly, I don't think so. I mean, right. this is the same guy that looked at Britton Covey and thought, man, this guy can probably jump four feet. So and he, he would throw it, uh, he'd throw it two feet over his head every single time. Like that, that guy looks like Shaq. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Britton Covey and Shaq next to each other. I mean. Twins, almost identical. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not super worried about this game. I do think the Eastern Time Zone gives me a little bit of pause, but um, 
I, I don't think that they have enough firepower to keep up with BYU because at that point, I'm expecting the offense to be clicking. Yeah. Yeah, they should be. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm going to guess this game's probably going to be an early afternoon game. It's It, it kind of reminds like a, me of the Toledo game a few years ago, like that time slot. Probably a noon kickoff. Ish. Yeah, a noon Eastern. Yeah. Um, so it'd be 10 o'clock Mountain or, you know, your two o'clock which is 12 here like right. it, it's, it's gonna be one of those weird like hey we're gonna put this on espn plus so that way we can get a bunch of subscribers you know that type of game so yeah absolutely so we have them at what six and two yeah into this all right and then the next week because remember we don't have a bye week for two more weeks the next week we've got the pirates of east carolina coming into provo they're about as good as the Pirates of Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty fair uh, assessment. Yeah. I I think, from what I remember, the the returning production of East Carolina is extremely low. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're any good. Uh, I didn't I didn't watch them in a single game last year. Granted, this is also the team that I didn't think was very good in 2017. And they beat BYU. I mean, let's be honest. But that, that BYU team sucked. That was 2017. That, right. that, and at that point in the season, I think they were just – they were ready to be done playing football. Probably. So I'm not worried about East Carolina, um, especially playing in Provo. In Provo. I, I wouldn't – so it's uh, – what's weird to me is that it's on ESPN – it's it's a late kick, or I guess it's a six o'clock kick. So it's a it's an evening kick. I think it's kind of weird that they're putting this on ESPN, but I mean you got to also try to just get ESPN's got to get their games in, right? Um, but hopefully this will be a, a showcase game where we can get Conover in the game in the second half again. Yeah, imagine the the Virginia score of last year without the Virginia part. Exactly, like, something like that. Yeah, I mean when I was doing my college fantasy draft. The only person that I knew from East Carolina that could be worth drafting was one of their tight ends. Yeah, he it, it was like one of their higher-rated uh, returning starters. Outside of that, it was like everybody was like, "Don't draft him. Don't don't draft yeah. anybody on that team for this fantasy team." So yeah, I'm not worried about it whatsoever. They stink. Should be similar, probably to the Wyoming game, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, maybe even worse. Uh, but moving on from that, BYU goes up to the blue. They're going to Boise State. And their last time going to Boise State for the foreseeable future because of yeah. the Big 12 announcement. So, well, you know, until the Pac-12 sells on sells out on their whole academic academic right. high road and they invite Boise State to be in their conference, but yeah. Until then, until then, yeah, this is this is potentially the last time BYU like, it'll be the last time BYU plays consistently against Boise State. Right. I mean, they've played Every year since, well, I mean, when did they start their streak? I know they played in the 2000s as well, but, I mean, they played every year since, what, 2011? 11 or 12. 11, I know, 12, yeah. like I said, 12 was the game we were up there. We should have won, but went for right. two on what, what I what I still deem as a stupid call. But, yeah, that's, I mean, just, I, I think that's my the, opinion. I think this game is going to be a revenge game. I think last year, losing to Boise State, because it rained, I'll be honest. They they fumbled multiple times because it rained. If it doesn't rain, I think BYU wins. I tell the game. you what, that game I'm so confused about it, but because it seemed like every time BYU had the ball, it was raining, and every time Boise State touched the ball, the right. rain stopped. Right. I don't know what it was. I don't know if someone was taking a hose and just spraying it, 
but Just standing up on squaw peak. Yeah, and- exactly. But like, I could not figure out how how it just happened to work out that way. I mean, you think about if the possession is switched at the beginning of the game, what happens? Is is it the same type of situation where now right. Boise State's sitting with a wet ball and BYU can can use a dry ball the entire game or or not? Yeah, and what's I mean, I don't want to. Think about it too much, but that game realistically probably cost BYU a New Year's Six Bowl. Yep. Uh, because at that point, their only loss would have been to the Big 12 champion, Baylor. Yep. So, it sucks, but it'll be a revenge game for BYU. Absolutely. For sure. And I think that the the fact that this has basically become a pseudo-rival uh, along with Utah and Utah State over mm-hmm. the past decade. And I, I think that the last time it's going to be played, they're going to want to put an emphasis on it. And I, I think that... Boise State, they're still a solid team, but they're not the Boise State of several years ago. No. I, they haven't been for a little while. And I think at this point in the season, assuming everybody's healthy too, like the offense should be clicking. Hopefully the defense is still solid. I mean, we saw it towards the end of last season. That's when the defense really started to wear down. No. A lot of injuries. Um, but I, I think they go up to the blue. I, I don't know if they're going to get quite the performance they did, say, in like 2020. <laughs> uh I would love it, but absolutely, I, I do think that they are going to beat them on the blue. I think I think that Boise State they're not going to be able to keep up with BYU's offense. Maybe not in the fashion like I said in 2020, but I, I think the offense at this point will just be too potent because all these guys, I mean the new guys we're talking about, will have so much game experience up to this point. This is game ten, mm-hmm. so you're going to get com- more comfortable in a game, and I, I think it's still a tough place to play, but I think BYU comes out on top. See, this is where I think I'm going to differ from you. Okay. Um, this is your 10th game in a row. And you're going up to I, – I, I'm not overly impressed with Hank Bachmeyer, but he was a four-star quarterback for a reason. You know, um, I, I, don't, I don't see it being as, as – I, I see it being a close game, and BYU seems to lose close games up in Boise. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and so – I think that Boise is going to keep it close enough and interesting enough that BYU will eventually shoot themselves in the foot. I think Jaron's taking care of the ball. I think that there's going to be some other sort of uncharacteristic turnover. I mean, you think about that that bowl game last year against UAB. BYU's starting to kind of drive down the field, and Samson Nakua gets the ball stripped. Right. You know, I think if that doesn't happen, I don't know if they go on to win the game, but they're in a much better position because Samson had gained some significant yards in that. Mm-hmm. In that, I think it's something like that that plagues BYU here. I think they pick up their third loss, just because it's it, it's there's something about. I, I, I'm not going to take the psychological angle. I already did that for Notre Dame, but Boise State is pesky in close games against BYU, especially up in Boise. Yeah, I mean the in 2020 that was the first time they won on the blue. Yeah, I believe so. And they had to do it in front of. Nobody. Right. You know, no crowd factor, which, you know, I'm not super impressed with Boise's fans. This is the team that a few years ago was a top 10 team and they couldn't sell out their freaking stadium. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not like, I don't think that's a huge factor, but I, I've been up to Boise a few times. I hate watching games on that stupid blue field. I cannot stand it. It looks horrible on TV. It looks horrible in person. The only time I liked watching a game there was the famous Idaho Potato Bowl where Zach Wilson kind of had a coming out party as to showing us what he was capable of. 18 for 18. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll be in Boise this time. 
So I don't. That's a, that's I, a factor that they've never had. Hey, that's okay? fair. That's fair. The Pittsburgh boy finally showing up in Boise. Um, I don't know if I'm going to that game. Uh, I would imagine I am. It's yeah. it's such an easy game to go to. It's drivable. Easy that's game why I'm to going. get tickets. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to do. Yeah. So right now I have them at eight and two, and you're at in, what seven and I'm three. At seven and three. Yeah. I mean, both could be real, very realistic, but I feel like. Next week after that, we'll have a bye, which will which, be nice. That's just crazy that it's 10 weeks into the season. Yeah. It's like, why even stop at that point? Oh, I know. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, can we just schedule a 13th game real quick? Like, let's let's bring in another cupcake, have two cupcakes in a row. But, I mean, the best part about a bye week, and you know, my dad says this, my brothers say this, I say this, the best part about a bye week, you can't lose. Right. Your stock can only go up. Right. And so – especially with other conferences being in conference play at that point can enough happen that BYU say they're say they're 8 and 2 going into that can they somehow find some rise in the rankings but other than that I mean a bye week's a bye week yeah well they basically have two bye weeks in a row because they're playing Utah Tech the following week yeah don't you dare say Dixie State don't you dare don't no. you dare that's offensive <laughs> That's very offensive. Uh, yeah, Utah Tech comes to Provo. I mean, there's not even – I don't know anything about Utah Tech. I don't need to know anything about Utah Tech. If BYU doesn't win by around 50, I think I'll be disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I think about uh, that Portland State game Yeah. <laughs> uh, back in 2017. and We keep bringing it up. Yeah, I know. I, I hate bringing it up. But, like, I think about that game. BYU learned a lot from that game. They won twenty to six, but they realized, hey, we can't we can't just sleep on a on a football team. Like these guys are still athletes. That being said, not worried at all. I want Jaron out of this game after the first quarter. I want Conover in in the second quarter. If you want to throw Soljay, my have a Peters in the fourth quarter and put Cade Finnegan in, in the third quarter. Go Rotate all of our quarterbacks. Go for it. I want I to mean, see Nick Phillips. I want to see what he can do. Yeah, this is this is the chance to play whoever you want to play. I mean, this this reminds me of what it should be. Who they play? McNeese State. Yeah. I think T- Tanner was out like after probably two minutes into the second quarter, he was done. Yep. So I, it should be similar to that. Like you should probably be pushing forty points, like somewhere in the second quarter. I would I would love a Wagner performance from two thousand. I think it's two thousand fifteen when they beat him seventy to six. Yeah, I would love that. I would love to get to the third quarter and be able to leave my seats and walk out knowing for sure that they're not going to score on us and somehow we're going to keep scoring on them even though all we're doing is running the ball. This is BYU, though, so we don't get that that often. <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, this is, this is an obvious win. Right. Obvious win. Super obvious. Um, so that moves us to What? Ten and one or ten and two? No, not ten and two. Nine, Can't do math. You're nine and two. I'm nine eight and two. Three. Eight and three. Moving into Stanford, last game of the season. Stanford sucks. I mean, let's be completely honest. I I, I think they have hot moments against specific Pac-12 teams. Absolutely. I mean, like USC last year. Um, and I I, I think that the problem with Stanford is they're just so inconsistent. Because they used to be, at least, at least the Christian McCaffrey years, like they were a pretty solid team. Absolutely. Consistently a top 20 team in the country. And then they really fell off after that. And they haven't been 
that consistent with their play. They were super hot and cold. I mean, honestly, around a 500 team. And that's why I think that this game, not that it should be like a snooze fest like the week before with Utah Tech. There's still going to be some athletes. It is Stanford. It's Pac-12 Power 5 opponent. But I think that BYU should handle themselves pretty well in this game. I don't, I don't think that they should be really sweating this one out. I think that it should be probably a 10 to 14 digit win at least. And at this point, Stanford, I mean, there's two ways they can go. And it depends on how their season goes, but I'm assuming that it's not going that well at this point. Fair. But they can either say, hey, this is the last game of the season. We've got something to fight for in this one. Or they can just pack it up. Let's get through this game. We don't really care if we lose. So I don't know which Stanford we're going to get. But even if they get the one where it's like we're going to try to win this game, I still think BYU is just too talented compared to Stanford that I, I don't think it's really that much of a threat. I, I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say I don't want in going into this season, especially because of where my record's at, sitting at 8-3, and three, no chance of a New Year's Six. You've kind of already locked in a ball game, you know. I don't want Stanford at five wins. I don't want them fighting for a bowl game. Right. That's the type of thing that BYU could come in sleeping and Stanford can come in and just – I mean, they still have Tanner McKee at quarterback who has brother shown McKee. that he can be – Yeah, brother Elder McKee. Elder McKee. <laughs> but he's shown that he can be a good quarterback. Yeah. And Stanford has the athletes that if BYU is caught napping, they could get in trouble. That being said, I do think BYU comes out, shows that they are the better team, that they they have the better talent, and I really hope Walker Lyons is watching that game. Yeah, I'm hoping at this point, and if he's true to his word, because Walker said that he'll be watching Stanford as the season goes along and still evaluating at that point, even though he's committed. It, it, that should be a showcase for Walker why he should just decommit from Stanford, commit to BYU, well, especially everything, everything if, will be nice. If BYU fans can show up like everyone thinks that they are, I mean, it's going to show that, like, hey, we got a fan base that came here and and showed you how fun it's going to be to play at BYU. Well, a lot of them just have to drive 30 minutes to the stadium. Yeah. With the, with the church, there's so many oh, members yeah. in, the, in the Bay Area. Absolutely. And so I think, I think BYU is going to be out in full force. I don't think Stanford ends up winning this game, and, and I'm hoping that BYU can – I hope they can really show them who's boss in this game. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd, I don't want to have a grinded-out game with Stanford. I really don't. Um, I don't want it to be similar to that Utah State game last year where it was never really in doubt, but we also still, like, we couldn't We're kind of up. holding our breath a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's just yeah. like – how careful do we need to be, especially when your second-string quarterback goes down in Baylor-Romney and you're throwing in this guy who still wasn't super comfortable with the offense. Yeah. Now, Jacob Conover, I think, you know, if, if if he were to be called upon, I think he's looked a lot better from what has been reported. That being said, like, Baylor was a great backup, and he's the reason that, Utah, that BYU wins that Utah State game because they were able to get out. And I don't want that to happen at Stanford. I don't want it to be a shootout game where we're holding our breath, even though we're up 14 kind of at all times. Right. We'll see. Those but types of games take years off of my life. <laughs> we, we've had a lot of those over the years. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so I have the, the BYU finishing 10 and two. You have them finishing nine and three. Nine and let me three. ask you a quick question about my record. Say, let me just flip flop some, or I guess a, would you say an undefeated Oregon gets into the college football playoff? 
It's tough because the Pac-12 is down, seriously. Down. Right. Um, because I had my loss to Oregon, but just for the fun of the I argument. Think, you I, know, I think that all depends on the Pac-12 championship game. Right. Honestly. Uh, I think if Lincoln Riley can actually do what I believe he can do at USC, I don't expect an undefeated USC team. But I, I do think that Lincoln Riley revives that offense. Okay, yeah. Um, I think he's able to show these guys that, like, hey, you have the talent. I mean, you got Caleb Williams there and you got Jordan Addison there. That combination alone it's a should, lot of money. should, yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> but, like, it should draw, it should draw double coverages, triple coverages just on him that's freeing up other athletes on the team. And Addison this will is, still be open. Yeah, this, but this is USC. Like, they still get good athletes They're one there. of the – I mean, whether you want to make fun of USC and the Pac-12 and all that, USC is one of the best brands in college football. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. And so you think about that, like, if that's the Pac-12 championship game, because personally, I don't get the hype behind Utah. I think Cam Rising's an okay quarterback, but He's I don't – He's an okay like, quarterback that's I don't thrown get, over 300 yards once – had less yards and more starts than Jaron Hall. Yeah. And he could barely throw the ball 25 yards. Well, when you think about that, you know, everyone talks about that Rose Bowl game. Oh, if Cam Rising had been in the game. Your backup quarterback came in and threw a touchdown. He had more points in the second half than Ohio Cam State's Rising did. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think this is a weird tangent, but I think USC, I don't see them as an undefeated team. I don't see them as as a a 10-win team, but I think an 8-win USC team, I think those losses come earlier in the season and they start screwing with the Pac-12. And I think if USC can really come into its own going into the Pac-12 championship and Oregon's undefeated going into that, and and I mean, they'd have to, they'd have to slack them. Honestly, they couldn't, they couldn't just get by with a, with a, a baby win. It would, It would have to be a big win. The hard part is Georgia and Alabama. I think there's only one spot open in the college football playoff. Because I think Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State have pretty well locked it up. I haven't even seen any of them play. Ohio State, I'm excited to watch. Yeah. Alabama is Alabama. I mean, it's pretty crazy when Nick Saban's telling you, hey, yeah, we went to the national championship, we lost to Georgia, but this was a rebuilding year. Like, what? That's a rebuilding year? And then Georgia, they still have Stetson Bennett. They still have their offense. Yeah, they lost some guys on defense. It's amazing to me that Stetson Bennett won a national championship, to be honest. I know, right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. But So I think there's only one spot left. The question is, can Clemson be who they were? Who they were? I don't believe so with I, their quarterback. With DJ, I just don't see it. Yeah. Too, way too inconsistent. But Oregon... I don't know. I have a hard time putting Pac-12 teams into the playoff ever. All right. Well, for the sake of what I was trying but to let's make say, an argument but as, for. as you said, if it's if it's going to be undefeated, winning the Pac-12 championship in convincing fashion, I think they certainly have an argument to okay. go. Well, I'll even change it. it. Just I'll, I'll keep my record the same, but just for the sake of this scenario, say Baylor goes undefeated, wins the Big 12, which I think is more impressive than winning the Pac-12. I agree. And... Say one of those spots is not opened by, I don't know, Georgia or Ohio State. Let's say Alabama gets in there, and there's two spots open. Baylor goes undefeated, wins the, the Big 12, and Notre Dame's undefeated, and they get in as well. 
is is a two loss BYU team to two playoff teams enough to get them into New Year's Six Bowl? Um, oh man. Or even if just one of them gets into the playoff, is a two loss BYU team to two undefeated teams enough to get them in? Because at that point they'd both be top five or six. Right. the The hard part is is you want. Like for for this to work out, you need Alabama and Georgia to go. Yeah, you need them to go. You can't yeah. have one. Any out. any BYU fan who doesn't understand because of tie-ins, bowl tie-ins. If Alabama and Georgia both go to the playoff, then the SEC tie-in is good, and you get another at that large bid. Yeah, and so I think in that situation, I I don't think it's crazy to say that BYU. Gets into the new. I think gets it's into tough a to new keep them out, honestly, especially if they look good against everybody else. That's the thing. And they, in those games, they gotta be. They, they have to be convincing in those games. Like if those are one loss games or or one one score lost games to those two, and then they're convincing in every other game, I think it's a hard argument to keep them out. Yeah, I mean, I I can I can definitely see that. Problem is, I know I I know the bias against non P five teams, and yeah. it is, it, I mean. Cincinnati had to fight tooth and nail to get into the freaking playoff last year. And a lot had to happen for them to get in. Like yeah. A lot of losses had to happen. Yeah, they, they had everything kind of work out for them, and they were winning in convincing fashion. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a, it's a G5. I mean, I know BYU is not technically a G5, but equivalent to a lot of people, to the, the view of some people, even though sure. BYU fans hold themselves as P5 equivalent. I find us they, in a, and there's a beautiful there's a, gray area yeah, between yeah, yeah. the G5 and P5. Right. That's where we live. Just right along with you Notre Dame. <laughs> you can't say like independents are in that. No, because UMass and New Mexico State are, or yeah, New Mexico State's not, they're not in that. But like. You'd be saying UMass is equivalent to Notre Dame. Yes, yeah, exactly. The, the Nets, and that's not the case. Yeah. But there's that beautiful little gray area because I, I'll be honest, I can I count Notre Dame as a P5. They've oh, so been, do I. they've been independent for so long and they've been able to, to to build it up for so long that they're they're playing a P five schedule essentially. I mean, if you're you're preseason top ten ranked every single season, right. how are you not a P five equivalent? Right. So, yeah, and so I mean, it's not out of the question for them to get to a New Year's Six. Some things would probably have to happen, but that's the thing. As a team like like Cincinnati, like BYU, could be you got to get lucky too with who yeah. loses. Absolutely. So. Now, if this is next year and you're in the Big Twelve. I mean, you're hoping that Baylor can go to the playoff because right. then you're going to just slot into that right. New Year's Six Sugar Bowl right. appearance. We're not in that. So I think, I mean, it would be an incredible cap to the independent era if we could somehow sneak into a New Year's Six Bowl. It would be, it, it would shut up a lot of people that talked about independence and how it was a bad look and how they needed to go back to the mountain west and it would just be it, it would just be a great bookend mm-hmm. you know you have this 2011 season where it's just like yeah we're kind of just trying to figure out who we are and then this is what we did in 11 12 years i think it'd be it would be amazing and not out of the question but things have to go the right way you gotta you gotta beat teams convincingly and if you're gonna have a close game you better hope it's against a, a decent team right well, that's it for the preseason uh, schedule prediction, but we have some award predictions as well. You know those. You can see the screen. So I can. <laughs> what, 
what are we what are we going to be predicting for some awards? All right, so we're gonna we're gonna give out an offensive MVP, a defensive MVP, and a breakout star. Now, your breakout star cannot be the same as your offensive or defensive MVP. Okay. Even if you feel like that's going to be the person, um, and yeah, let's just let's let's jump into this. Let's start with the offensive MVP. Who do you got? Puka Nakua, and I I don't I, I may be bullish bullish in saying this, but I don't know if he's going to eclipse what uh, what's his name. I can't even think of his name. I'm blanking. Austin Collie. Austin Collie. Yeah, I don't think he's going to eclipse what he did in 2008. How dare you blank on? I on I know my favorite know. player of all time. I was thinking of his little brother. To be completely honest, I was thinking of Dylan. I, I was thinking of Dylan. I couldn't think of the first name. Gotcha. Um. I don't think he will eclipse it, but I think he'll get pretty close. I think this is a wide receiver talent that BYU has not had since Austin Collie, honestly. The, the the just raw skill that they have at their position. And I mean there's been some good receivers over the years since in between the two. But I think you mix what Jaron is expected to do in progress in the passing game and how efficient they're gonna be. And Puka had a full off season with the team this year. He, he gets a full offseason to learn the playbook. I mean, last season, in he didn't play in the Arizona game. And in the Utah game, he was only allowed to one, run one route because he didn't know the routes yet. Right. So, I think that with that said, I mean, he's the highest rated wide receiver recruit out of the state of Utah ever. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's going to show why this season. I think he's going to eclipse probably a close to 1,400 yards receiving, which is wow. something we have not seen from a receiver in a long time. And I, I think he's going to be the clear-cut offensive player of the year, which, honestly, you, you could give it to Jaron at that point because receivers are a very dependent position. Absolutely. But I think with what he does after he catches the ball, he's going to show why he deserves the award. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about Puka a lot. Um, I mean, I saw him play in high school. I saw Bingham go down to Orem. And, and while Bingham still ended up winning that game, one play that still sticks out in my mind so vividly was watching Puka in the corner of the end zone jump just above everyone else and just rip the ball down. It was his ball. Right. Like, and that's that's the attitude that he's got, and I love it. I mean, he's he, right when he gets that ball, one, he's looking for yards, and he doesn't care if he has to go through you to get it. You know, and, and that's it's it's a pretty rare thing to see in receivers nowadays. You see receivers trying to avoid contact all the time, but his football IQ to realize where that first down marker is and realize my only way is to just go up. I have to get there. Mm-hmm. And he fights for every yard, man. I, I love Puka Nakua. And the best thing that happened for him was Gunnar Romney coming back. Otherwise, you could have just said, hey, we're going to double that guy. You know, yeah, you got to kind of keep an eye on Keanu Hill. But now you got Gunner, who is going to take a lot of attention as well, yeah. because I mean it's a one-two punch. Yeah, I mean Gunner's Gunner is really good, and he, he's not quite the talent that Puka is. But I think he's kind of just like all reliable. As long as he's healthy, you know what he is. You know he's going to get you the yards. He's going to get eight hundred to a thousand yards on the season, and I, I think as a one-two punch, it's it's really good that BYU has both of them. Yeah. So, well, I think of you know going with that comparison of. Puka and Austin Collie, I think Gunner is the the Michael Reed, where he's just going to be this solid wide receiver. 
He can go and make plays when he needs to, but he's going to kind of be outshadowed by or outshone by Puka, right. which Mike Reed, who was a great receiver, was outshone by, by Austin Colley. Yeah. So who do you have? So I am taking Jaron here. Um, okay. I think Jaron, I do think he makes the same type of leap as Zach. He's got a full year under his belt. Really feels like he really started to feel comfortable towards the end of that. I mean, you think about that that Arizona State game, that dumb pick that he threw that Tyler Algier made sure turned into a first down, even though it was negative fifty something yards. It became a highlight. Yeah, negative thirty <laughs> yards. It was a negative thirty yard first down. Right. But I think he really progressed throughout the year. Like I think of the, I even think of that Baylor game when he was learning when to tuck with the ball and when to hand it off mm-hmm. on some of those reads. I mean, that touchdown, I was watching that highlight, and it was just, you know, he had learned, like, okay, one, I got to learn how to fake this, but two, like, when I have the ball, I got to commit. I can't I can't keep dancing around. Like, I got to just get up. Right. And I think I think he's able to take the possibly not, not probably not the same amount in like in step up that Zach had. Um, but I do think he takes a similar trajectory and I, I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I think he ends up being a round one pick. I think he certainly has that ability in him and with all the weapons that he's got, he's got Chris Brooks who is super hyped up. He's got Peeney. We know who Peeney is and he's got Miles Davis who, if it wasn't for injuries, he would have been playing last year a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think Jaron, for me, takes that MVP category because of just the step that I think he's going to take this year. Yeah. With as comfortable as he is with the playbook. Um, being And, and I, love, I love Fessy, and I think he'll, get, he'll put him in good situations for, for good passing opportunities. And I love Roderick, too. Right, right. Yeah, I'll be honest. I have, I've got some friends that I met down at the Senior Bowl a few years ago that their whole job – is to cover the NFL draft, and they love Jaron Hall. Mm-hmm. And I know some guys that think that he's going to have a similar rise, like you said, to Zach Wilson. He could be a first-round pick. He could be a top-five quarterback in this class. He's got that type of potential. Yeah. And I, I, I think I've talked to you about this before. I, I don't think that it's out of the question. Like, if the, BYU has a really solid year and Jaron himself has a really good year, like we're talking about, I, I think that he has a better BYU career than Zach Wilson does. I think mm-hmm. that's what it would be considered. Even though Zach is the number two pick, I don't know that he's going to eclipse that. That's a really hard thing to do. There's only one spot you can take. Exactly. But as far as just a career at BYU goes, I think it could be easy to say Jaron Hall had a better career. Zach Wilson, amazing quarterback, great talent, fun to watch. But you look at like 2018, 2019, didn't have the same career that Jaron Hall could have with the 2021 season and 2022. Yeah, no, that's true. All right, so defensive MVP. I want to start with this one because I think this guy would have been running away with it last season if he didn't get hurt. You already know who I'm talking about. Keenan Peely. Uh, he had like 30-some-odd tackles in the Arizona – like going when he got hurt in the Arizona State game. Yeah. That's like, what, two and a half games in because it was during the third game. I, I think that this guy is such a huge piece of the defense – He's arguably the best player on the defense, and I think that he's just going to show why 
he he basically would have done what Ben Bywater did in relief of Keenan Peely, except yeah. I think to another level. Absolutely. So I think for that reason, I, I was going between a couple players, but Keenan to me, he's just the steadfast anchor, and with health being blessed, I think that he will be the MVP of the defense. Yeah, um, I definitely see that pick. I was considering Keenan Peely. Um, I, I mean, it, it, it was amazing. Uh, he was all over the field. Yeah. All over the field in those first three games. Um, for me, I think, and this is a guy that I have loved ever since his freshman season, I love Peyton Wilgar. I, I mean, a linebacker. Yeah, he's – He's talking about his – he had shoulder surgery over the offseason, and he's saying this is the best he's ever felt while at BYU. Uh, I, I, I love the way he plays. He plays with intensity. He, he flies to the ball where, whenever he needs to, but he's also got that, that ability and coverage. Yeah, he's super you know, he's, athletic. He's picked off a couple balls. I mean, I, I, think, I think he can be out there and be a leader on that defense, especially there next to Keenan. I mean, I think our linebacking is going to be phenomenal this year. Yeah, I mean, it's for sure the strength of the, de- of the defense. And I think overall on the team, when I was ranking the position groups for Fankers the Foe, I think I had them at number, personally, because we did a consensus ranking, I had them at number three Yeah. A- after the wide receivers and the offensive line. Um, but they were the number four in our ranking behind those two and quarterback as well. I-, I-, I think that this position group as a whole, I mean, we're not even naming other guys, but the top two, for sure, are Keenan Peely and Peyton Wilgar. That's a great pick. Those are the two, like, probably NFL caliber guys as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know for a fact the Steelers were out here a few weeks ago, and there's, those are the one of the, the couple names that I was thinking they could have been looking at because as much as I would love, like, Jaron, they're not going to double-dip right. a quarterback two years in a row. Right. So I'm thinking in my head they got to be looking at either offensive linemen, and so my head goes immediately to Blake Freeland and Clark Barrington. Because they need both tackle and guard. Their offensive line sucks in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and then Peyton Wilgar and Keenan Peely. Because also, their linebacking core is not that great. <laughs> so, I, I think that those are the two great ones. And then, for uh, who do you have for the breakout player of the year? Okay, I think this is actually going to come as a little bit of a shock to you. Okay. I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm going with Ammon Hanneman. Really? Strong safety? Yeah, I'm going with the strong safety. Uh, I... I I had issues with his brother when he first got to BYU. I I thought he kind of took unnecessary risks as a corner. Mm-hmm. But when when they moved him to safety, he really fell into his own. You know, he it's not like the ball was thrown to him all that often. And when it was, he seemed to always be involved in the play. I think his brother has that same ability. He played in, in, in a lot of games last year, and I I think he's going to go out there and show that like, oh, you guys are are worried about this position I'm here like I'm going to take care of it um we I mean we know how the defense is is always swapped around and um but I I do think that Ammon Hanneman and Malik Moore together turn out to be a great safety duo for us yeah and so that's why I'm going to go with Ammon Hanneman um hope I'm right I mean we'll see (laughs) yeah uh but yeah I, I I do think that he has the potential to he's not going to be your kind of Kua, but I, I think he'll do well enough to make sure that, that we're not getting burned on every throw. Right. Yeah. You know, 
my mind didn't even go to the defense when uh-huh. it came to breakout player of the right. year. And I think that's just because of how many weapons we have on offense. Absolutely. Um, and immediately two guys came to my mind. And it might not – one of the guys you might be thinking I'm talking about might not be in this group. Um, so two, the two names that came to my mind are Chase Roberts and Cody Epps. Okay. Not Keanu Hill. I didn't know if you were going to think I was talking about him as well. Um, I, I think that Keanu Hill is going to be really good. But I do think that as far as breakout players goes, I think both Cody Epps and Chase Roberts both have the opportunity to do, do that. I mean, you look at these guys in high school – Highly touted recruit with Chase Roberts. He was an Under Armour All-American. He had a great senior season in American Fork and BYU's backyard. And I think you, you just look at the build of this guy, and he just looks like a stud wide receiver. And I think he's shown that in fall camp. Um, and then you look at Cody Epps. A little bit on the smaller side, but probably more athletic than most people have seen uh, other wide receivers at BYU. In, in ter- I mean, we're talking about Puka Nakua as well, but – in terms of just athleticism at the position, I think Cody Epps is a, a level above the average at BYU. Well, he was Bryce and, Young's number one target in high school. Yeah. His senior season, he had over 1,700 receiving yards and 28 touchdowns. Yeah. And he was one of four All-American, like not just like All-American for like Under Armour or Adidas, like four just flat-out All-Americans yeah. consensus at wide receiver in the entire country. And he ends up at BYU because he's not highly recruited because – he is small, apparently. But so is Antonio Brown. I mean, Antonio Brown's nuts, but, I mean, he was 5'10". So I'm not going to judge a guy because he's small. I think both of these guys have the opportunity to do too. But the one I'm going to go with is Chase Roberts. Okay. I think I've seen the clips of him in fall camp. I've seen the highlights. I think this guy has so much potent- potential. Fessy, I remember when he recruited him, in his recruitment video, his, his uh, commitment announcement, said that he thinks that he has the opportunity and the skill set to become the all-time greatest receiver at BYU. I don't know if I'm going to put him that high. That's a, that's a very high bar. Yeah. Um, but I think that he has a great opportunity in this offense because even though there is going to be a lot of spreading around the ball, a lot of it's going to the receivers, and they've got a lot of great receivers. I think that the receivers really, truly do run like five or six deep on this team. I don't think you're limited to just the two top guys. Right. I think you get a lot of production from the younger guys as well, and I think Chase Roberts takes the breakout player of the year. I think he'll probably score a few touchdowns and have maybe a similar season to Gunner's 28 or 19, 18 or 19. I don't think it was his rookie or freshman year. I think it was his sophomore year when he's had like 800-ish yards. I mm-hmm. think he could get seven, 800 yards and be – but basically a future and a future that looks bright after Gunner and Puka, most likely both of them leave after this season. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I, I will say I absolutely love about our receiving core, and I think that the Nakua brothers actually brought it last year, they have a certain swagger now. Yeah. I don't know, like, when you watch Samson and, and Puka last year, they brought uh, an attitude, they brought an edge that BYU just hadn't really seen for a, a, a while. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they haven't even ever seen it. But I think that attitude has spread to that whole re- wide receiving core because these are all guys that are confident in their abilities and just they're, they're going to go out there and they're going to ball out. And so, yeah, I think that's a great pick. I, I like Chase a lot. Um, I think he's the type of guy that's going to – like I think he spent his red shirt year just, just learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at you. You watch Puka. You watch Keanu. You watch Samson. You watch Neil. You watch Gunner. 
and be like, how can I incorporate their best pieces into my game? Right. And yeah, I, I think that's great. Absolutely. Wow. So that's it. I mean, that's our offensive defensive MVPs and our breakout star. Um, now this is running a little long, but let's, let's jump into a South Florida preview. So I spent, I spent today while at work, um, <laughs> I was looking up in the independent era, how BYU has fared on the East coast. Um, and counting it up here. They have gone nine and eight. Not, the best. not great. Yeah. Not a great look. And so I even broke it down by what time they played. So they're playing at four PM. Yeah, I know. I went This is nuts. I went a little I went a little too deep. I, um, I respect the effort though. Uh so they're playing at four o'clock Eastern. And so the teams that were around that was Georgia Tech in two thousand twelve, Virginia in two thousand thirteen. Um, West Virginia in 2016, Michigan State, and Cincinnati all in 2016, USF in 2019, and Georgia Southern last year. Now, most of those are actually wins, <laughs> but I look at BYU's record next to them, um, and you think about some of those games, like when they, the last time they played USF, Jaron's first start for BYU, yep. he gets hurt. Um, who was it that came in for him? Bo Hodge. Yeah. Bo Hodge comes in. We end up losing that game just because we really just don't have the ability. Came out the next week, Jaron. This is when I was really low on Jaron. I was like, this dude is made of glass. Now I couldn't be higher on Jaron. I love Jaron. Right. And I think it's because now they've figured out how to use his athleticism. And so the last time they played USF, it was twenty-three to twenty-seven. Um, USF ended up with a four and eight record, and BYU went seven and six in two thousand nineteen. That's why I worry about this game a little bit, because I mean the last time they were there, they just didn't play well. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And, and it's something about, and they've always talked about traveling to the East Coast. Is is that a problem for BYU? Because it certainly seems like it in some of these. But then I think about the, the, the talent on the team this year versus those previous years. I, I don't know. I, 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 I get, when I start looking at the data like this, I start getting nervous about this game. Yeah. But when I think about the feel of this team, it starts to kind of ease those nerves. Yeah, I mean, this is arguably the... I, listen, 2020 was amazing. But this team is arguably the best in independence. Well, can you imagine had Zach had the same weapons right. that Jaron's going to have this year? Right, instead of just throwing to Dax every other time. Right. And Gunner was around, but Gunner was kind of plagued by injuries in 2020. Um and just they didn't really have guys that were going to backfill as easily as this year. I mean, if Gunner goes down, Chase Roberts. If Puka goes down, Cody Epps. If it, I mean, it, it's it's so deep and so talented this year that I mean, I would have loved to see what Zach could do, but this team, I believe, is the more talented team. Yeah, for sure. 
But let's make matters worse for a second. Here we go. Because we can talk about not just the East Coast, but BYU's record when playing in Florida all time. Oh, geez. And any guess? So so they've played, I mean, actually you probably know because their first win came in 2020 in Florida. But they're 1-8 when playing in Florida. And I didn't just count the teams from Florida. I counted like if they played in a bowl game as well, which they've played. So you're telling me that that UCF game in the bowl game. In 2020 was the first time that they... Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, I had no idea oh, that okay. was the I first time. Okay, I asked the question. That was, yeah, uh, that was the first time that they won in Florida. Wow. Period. Oh, man. That's... In the Boca Raton Bowl. Previous to that, they lost to UCF in 2019. They lost to Memphis in 2014 in that great bowl game. Uh, <laughs> they lost to UCF the same year playing in Florida. They lost to Florida State in 2010 and 2000. And then they lost to Miami in 1988, Ohio State in the Florida Citrus Bowl. They lost 10 to 7 to Ohio State, and then Oklahoma State all the way back in 1976 in the Tangerine Bowl. Oh man, Ooh. and That's, that that does not bode well for for yeah, Florida. Yeah, I mean, spoilers for anybody that hasn't read my Vegas Safari article. That's the, one of the reasons I think I'm putting for South Florida to win the game is just BYU's flat out record in Florida. Is mm-hmm. not good. They've they've won one game, and it came in that bowl game in 2020. That that magical season, but it was a weird season. In a normal season, they haven't won a game in Florida. Oh man! And you know, with with this game, funny enough, I would be more nervous if Timmy McLean was playing quarterback. Yeah, you're probably a rare opinion on that, I feel like, too. It might be, but the thing about McLean, yeah, he doesn't have the most impressive arm, but the guy's got legs. Watch the he second got, half of last year's game. Yeah. He 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 was able to escape so often, and that's the reason why that game last year was as close as it was, because mm-hmm. his ability to escape, and then when BYU starts keying into that, it's like, okay, we kind of have to leave a spy here now. Well, that opens up receivers down the field. Right. Gary Bohannon, I'm not as worried about. Yes, he did play BYU last year. The The thing is, even though USF has such a high return in their production, he's not as mobile as, as, as McLean. Yeah. And so that's where I think that BYU is going to feel a little more comfortable, is that it's not going to be this, this – running quarterback the entire time it's going to be someone who it's like okay yeah once he burns us a couple times then we should look out for this but who knows if he's going to do that especially with you know i i look forward to seeing what jan jorgensen can inject into this defensive line he'll do wonders i i really hope so um everyone has talked about how great tyler batty can be and he's shown flashes but I'd love to see consistency, and I'm hoping that Jan can be the guy that does that, that brings that consistency. You mentioned Tyler Batty. Did you see the story about his recruiting? I didn't. Well, <laughs> apparently, uh, whenever they called to like ask him to come on a visit, he was just like, nah, and just didn't care. Wow. He, he just like didn't worry about it, and it wasn't until he was going on his mission uh, that he's like, maybe I should look into BYU a little more. Right. Because originally, huh. I believe he was a Utah guy. Oh, okay. And so whenever BYU called to ask him for a visit, he was just like, nah, I don't feel like it. Wow. I mean, that's that's amazing. You look at the guy now, I mean, he's he's bleeding blue. Right, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's 
But yeah, that's crazy. It's it's not looking good on, as far as the record goes, and then their record against just Florida teams in general is still a losing record. It's a little bit better, but they're four and seven. Sure. Uh, they they've got a couple wins in there. Arguably the biggest win in BYU history with nineteen ninety uh, Miami. Miami number one Miami coming yep. to coming to came into Provo and lost. Yeah, but I mean it's just as far as the record goes against against the teams in Florida in Florida, it's not looking great. BYU should still win the game though. They're yeah. just flat out the better team. But you know it's weird because I, m- I mentioned this this twenty twenty season multiple times now. I have a similar feeling to this game that I did before the Navy game. Before the Navy game, sure. I honestly had no idea what to expect. Sure. I didn't know if BYU was going to be good. I didn't know how good Navy was going to be. And then they win, what, 55-3? to three? Yep. I, I have a similar feeling towards the South Florida game. Now, I don't expect them to win 55-3. to three, Right. But maybe the outcome could be similar where, like, okay, we're going to perform better than I thought we were. It's just a lot of unknown, I feel like. See, I... I really worry about using a comparison like that just because you think about the conditions of that of that Navy game. Oh, yeah, it was silent. I mean, not only is it silent there in um, – they're in – oh, my gosh, where do they play? Uh, I mean, it's in Virginia. They're <laughs> is it in Virginia or is it in Maryland? Or no, it's in Maryland. It is in Maryland. Yeah, I I've can't. been there. I've been there yeah, for a bowl game, I have, actually. too. I can't remember. Anyway, but not only is it silent in that stadium, but – Navy wasn't allowed to hit in practice. Oh the yeah, first I contact, forgot about that. The first contact they had was hitting BYU players. Annapolis. Annapolis, yes. Um, but that was their first contact. I forgot about that. And so that's why I look at that game and I'm like, I like because I I started having that same feeling, but then I realized I was like, oof, that was a completely different situation. Um, See, I didn't alleviate that feeling until probably sometime in the second quarter whenever BYU was up and I'm like sure. okay we're actually it's like, we're actually oh, we playing could, and we look good. we could actually do this yeah yeah um well do you think about that game I do compare I want Jaron to have a similar game to Zach as he had in that game Zach didn't look incredible in that game he didn't look untouchable but he managed the game well didn't put the ball in bad situations just made sure to get it to his guys that could make plays and I mean, Algier and, and Peeney just ran all over him. Right. Because it was, it was about physicality for, for scores. But Zach stuck in there, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'm going to throw a couple deep balls, but for the most part, I'm going to make sure that we're not going to be done with the ball. We're just going to get it to the people. I'm going to get it to them instead of putting it in a bad bad spot. And so that is one thing. Like I, I look at that game. I want Jaron to play that way. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that – He's able to come out and just manage the game, not feel like he has to be the hero, not feel like he has to do everything for BYU. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll put them in a good good spot. Um, the only other things that like could not necessarily worry me, but they're notable about USF, they did have the 32nd ranked transfer portal, um, according to 24-7 Sports. Mm-hmm. That included Gary Bohannon. Um, I, I'm curious to see how BYU will still handle the run. They're not going to have the legs of Timmy McLean in the game, but they still have Jaron Mangum, I believe is his last name. They're, they're, that's yeah, the, that's the, the lead back. running back. Um, we'll see because, I mean, BYU at times looked terrible against the run last year. Mm-hmm. So we'll see in game one if they can stop that. But that game's this weekend, and it, it's exciting. BYU football's back. 
Hey, I'm excited to get down there and go to the game. We're both going to the game. We are both going to the game. So, yeah, well, you're, I'm excited. going to nine games this year, which is, a, I mean, first ever for me. I know that's rookie stuff to, for the Dan <laughs> Week side of the Weeks family, but. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to 10 of the games. Um, I would be going to 11. I do have a conflict for, for Notre Dame, um, and I'm not going to waste my time going to Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, but we're hoping to get out to the Stanford game, probably go to the Boise State game. I know we're going to South Florida and, and Oregon. So um, I'm excited to get down there and go to the, go to the Buccaneer Stadium. I'm not going to call it the Bulls Stadium. I'm not gonna, it's, it's Raymond James. No, Raymond James Stadium. The, the, Bulls, the Bulls don't own it. No. <laughs> it's all about the, no, it's the Tom, Bucks. Tom Brady owns it right now. Yeah, exactly. And I'm excited to get down there and, and, and really see um, – see how they play uh i always start to get a feel right around if, if i can see the guys warming up i start to get a feel for how the game's gonna go yeah um if they're out there if they're loose look like they're having some fun but still look locked in then yeah i i, I say byu could go out and, and blow them out but that being said it's the first game of the season it's it's a new season i'm freaking pumped yeah I i'm mean, excited I, it was week zero this last week, and college football was on all day. Listen, I, I was watching Austin P versus Western Kentucky yeah. like it was Alabama-Georgia. Well, you okay? had to watch that for 30 minutes before you could get to the Northwestern-Nebraska game. Yeah, I was but watching was, the first quarter of that game yeah. like it was the national championship. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was fun. Um, I'm glad it's back. We got games on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and a game on Sunday and a game on Monday because the NFL hadn't hasn't isn't going to start yet. And yep, it's it's oh man, this is the best time of the year. It is. I feel like you know people talk about Christmas, people talk about their birthday. No, this is this is the best time of the year. Football season, specifically BYU football season. Specifically BYU football season. I've been asked before if I had to watch BYU or the Steelers the rest of my life and not watch the other, which one's going to be? It's BYU every single time. Yeah, I sorry I to everybody in Pittsburgh. I don't think we can we can talk enough about how much we love this team. Um, I mean, we were even talking about the 2017 season. While that was such a rough time for us, that doesn't it's not going to sway how I feel about the Cougars. I mean, I've been a season ticket holder since since I was. I mean, I guess I've been my dad's been buying season tickets for us since I was born. Yeah. I've missed a total of 13 home games. Where fans were allowed to go, I I can't. You think about the twenty twenty season? Yeah, there were a couple games that we missed. You can ho hum about it. I don't count it against my record because no fans were allowed. But I've missed thirteen games. Twelve of those were from a mission. Um, last one was a school dance that I was not very excited to be going to. But I mean, it it we bleed blue in the week's family. That's just how it is. I've, n- I've never missed a, uh, a home game whenever I lived in the Mountain Time Zone. Right. Also living in Idaho. Uh, got season tickets for this year. I mean, I- I've traveled to – this is how loyal I am. I went to three BYU-Utah games flying out from Pittsburgh. Right. Just, just for that game. Absolutely. Just to see the team lose. Yeah, absolutely. Back in those days. <laughs> yeah. Back yeah, in those days when we lost to was, Utah. It was nice for BYU and Utah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. But we get to do this, uh, we're planning on doing this every week, the Sports Weeksly podcast, at least as long as the, we'll, we'll see, see how, how long, long the name sticks. The name. Yeah. TBD. Oh. We'll, we'll, we'll see how long it sticks, but for right now, this is a Sports Weeksly podcast. 
I'm Tyler. That's Austin. This is it for this week. We'll see you after the win in South Florida. I'm just calling it right now. All right. We'll catch you next week.